Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligant. Well, the Blue Jackets having a practice day today, having that practice day after picking up three out of the possible four points in the last two games. What a difference a week makes, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes a lot of differences. Last week at this time, we were talking about a five-game losing streak. And today we're talking about getting points, uh, three points in the last four that were available. However, that doesn't mean that things are just rosy and sweet. Doesn't mean that at all, unfortunately, because the Blue Jackets are a much different looking group this week than they were last week. Much, much different this week than last week. Night and day different. Because since we have last talked here, The Blue Jackets beat the Philadelphia Flyers, but in doing so, they suffered some big-time injuries. The top one being Zach Wierenski, injuring his shoulder, separating his shoulder, tearing his labrum, out for the season. The worst words that you could hear in regards to a top player on your team. Those four words, out for the season. But that's where Zach Wierenski is. He's done for the year. And the Blue Jackets have to find a way to not only play, but to win without him in the lineup. Then in addition, Nick Blankenberg. In that game against Philly, Blue Jackets were down to four defensemen. At one point, almost three defensemen. Blankenberg got the goal, the empty net goal that sealed the deal. That gave the Blue Jackets the win. And then it was found out the next day that he played at least part of the third period on a fractured ankle and with a high ankle sprain. Six to eight weeks out of the lineup. Eric Branson also got hurt in that game. Suffered an upper body injury. And has been day-to-day. Hasn't played. He did practice today. So that's a good sign. Sean Corrali hasn't played in the last two games. He did practice today. That's a good sign. Jake Voracek did not practice again. Voracek with an upper body injury is basically just waiting. It's not a day-to-day. It's not a week-to-week. It's uh, we'll tell you when we know. One of those situations. So this team looks completely different. Emil Bemstrom came up from Cleveland, has slotted in as a forward. Gavin Bayreuther is back from the Monsters. Jake Christensen was called up, as was Marcus Bjork. Marcus Bjork scored his first National Hockey League goal on Saturday against the New York Islanders. At the time, it gave the Blue Jackets a 3-2 lead. They weren't able to hold on to that lead. Unfortunately, they lost the game in overtime. But he's come up, big body guy. He's got a long reach. He's got uh, a lot of positives going in his direction. And he is trying to do like so many, and that is make the most out of an opportunity in the National Hockey League. And that is the word. If I was going to say that uh, today's show was brought to you by a single word, That word would be opportunity because that's what everybody that is playing right now has. They have an opportunity to get into the lineup, to stay in the lineup, to up their stock in the organization, whatever you want to say, however you want to put it. The opportunity is there for each and every one. So who's going to take advantage of the opportunity and Who's going to let that opportunity go by? Oh, by the way, more bad news 
from the Blue Jackets today, Patrick Laine. He's out for the next three to four weeks with an ankle sprain. You know, as they used to say on Top 40 Radio, the hits just keep coming. They sure do. But that opportunity is there for so many players. Your opportunity is here as well. If you're with me live on Twitter Spaces, then you can request to be a speaker. If you have a question you'd like to ask, you can be part of the show. It is just that simple. You ask to be a speaker, I bring you on. You ask your question. Nothing difficult about it. Nothing uh, earth-shattering. So if you'd like to do that, I uh, I I want to let you know to uh, – why can't I talk today? Feel free to do it. That's what I'm trying to say. If you'd like to be on, feel free to do that, and uh, I'll answer your questions. Anyway, I have some questions on Twitter today, and uh, the first one is from Jody, and Jody says, this season is giving me flashbacks to the season when the Blue Jackets fired Coach Todd Richards and the season we were struck with the big injury bug. Any words of comfort you can provide – to us fans to help get us through this. No. No. <laughs> I can't. What, what do you want me to say? I Here's the thing. I don't, I don't know why this reminds you of the, the year that Todd Richards got let go. Um, it, this doesn't remind me of that at all because that was a team that was expected to take the next step. That was a team that was expected to make the playoffs and had the pieces to make the playoffs, and then they started 0-7. And then they made the decision to change coaches from there. So th- this one, this this is not that situation to me. Um, I think the expectations to make the playoffs on this team were were uh, premature, or were um, I, I think we were over. I think we had too much hope, and. Go back to after Johnny Gaudreau signed and even leading up to the season when I talked to you here, I did tell you that the one thing you had to keep in mind is that last year the team gave up more goals than any team, any Blue Jackets team in history. Now, they scored more goals than ever, but they gave up more goals than ever. And I reminded you that the faces on the defense were basically the same, with the exception of Erica Branson coming in. So... Yeah, it, it was easy to think that, okay, Johnny Gaudreau's here and this team is going to the playoffs. Was that realistic? I guess it wasn't. It was hopeful. It was maybe overhopeful, as it turns out. Okay? So that's all right. You're allowed to have hope. Keep hope alive, as they say. Um, but anyway, that's why it doesn't remind me of the Todd Richards year because this team doesn't have all the pieces yet. We'd like to think they do, but they don't. And they're moving in that direction, but they're – just aren't at that point yet. So to me, it doesn't remind me of that. But a season when everybody was going down with injuries and other guys were stepping up, yes, of course. That's exactly where this team is right now. And they're there with only, what, 14 games played. So we'll see what happens from here, and we'll see who steps up and takes advantage of their chance in the lineup. And Kilch on Twitter says, do you think we should change our objectives and expectations with the injuries combined with our poor start to the season? For me, and this may sound crazy, I'd send all of the kids, Sillinger, Chinikoff, Kent Johnson, all of them to Cleveland where they can play with David Yerchek and Kirill Marchenko on a high-end AHL team. 
I also wouldn't mind a top three to five draft pick instead of being in no man's land. And while this year may be rough, we have a really bright future. Well, all of that makes sense. It really does. Now, there are parts that make sense. There are other parts that are reality that you've got to factor in, okay? It's very easy to say, just take all these guys and send them down. And I'm with you on that, on the surface. On the surface, I'm with you on that because they could all go there. They could all play big minutes. They could all have important roles, and I think they could win. I think they could win a lot. I think they will learn how to be winners, which is extremely important. Extremely important to learn how to win. And I think they could do that as a group in the American Hockey League, whereas here it's going to be more of a struggle. So, again, it's very easy to just look at it on the surface and say, send them all down. Now, remember, when you send them all down, there are other guys that you have to bring up, but there are candidates. Let's just say, you know, for argument's sake. All right, Sean Corrales has been hurt. Brendan Gauntz has come up from Cleveland, and he's done a good job in the couple of games that he's played. As a matter of fact, he's been one of the most reliable face-off men that Brad Larson has had, and he's leaned on him, quite frankly. And that's been a good thing because he has delivered and he's done the job. So let's just say Sean Corrales comes back into the lineup. Could you keep Brendan Gauntz as your fourth-line center? Could you put Corrales as your uh, third-line center? And could you send Cole Sillinger to Cleveland? You could. Yes, you could. Because here's the thing, and somebody, uh, I think Joe was, sent me an email and asked me this. How many times can guys go up and down? Well, if you're on an entry-level contract, which Cole Sillinger, Kent Johnson, Yegor Chinikov are all on entry-level contracts, you can go up and down to the American Hockey League at will. No waivers, nothing stopping the organization from moving them back and forth. Now, you get other guys, like Emil Bemstrom, if he comes up and he plays 10 games or spends 30 days, then he's got to clear waivers to go back down. All right? I think at this point, to me, it would seem that Emil Bemstrom is now here because he was playing so well in the uh, AHL. I think if you go to send him back down, he might get plucked off waivers this time. And if you want some of those younger guys to eventually play down there, then, you know, why not just keep him here and, and then you have some flexibility there. But anyway, I digress. Those guys can go up and down. So it would be easy to say, okay, Corrales back. Let's just bump him up one spot. Let's put uh, Gantz there at the fourth line and let's say to Cole, hey, I know you just scored your first goal the other night and I know you played really well, but um, we just think that this will be better for you and send him there. Okay, all right, that's fine. Uh, Kent Johnson, at some point, you know, line A comes back, and then you say same thing. You can do all of these things, but here's where the individual thing comes into play. And it's easy for you or I not to care, but there's got to be, you know, I, I think there's got to be some sales pitch, if you will, to the player, to the player representatives, um, because – all these guys are making over eight hundred grand, and they're going to go back there and make $80,000. And, again, I know that it's very simple to say, well, who cares? But, you know, think about that. Think about that if that was you. If you were making over eight hundred grand, and I said to you, starting tomorrow, you're going to make eighty grand, that would stink, right? That would stink. So here's what I say. 
I say that you can see how it goes here and how things are going along. You want to get these guys ice time. You want to have them in important roles as much as you can. And if the time comes where you can't do that, then that discussion has got to be had to go down to the American Hockey League. But I would think that at some point you want to make sure that the end of the season comes, if the Monsters are in the playoffs, and I would expect that they will be, I know you can't take anything for granted, and if there are more injuries happening here, that's going to affect them. I get all of that. But let's just say if that team is going to be in the playoffs, I would want to make sure that all of those guys are there at that time. Whether they go down earlier than that, uh, whether they – I don't even care how much time they spend down there. If you make a roster move to have them eligible for that playoff roster and you put them on the day the regular season ends, I don't care. I just think that when that time comes – that's what's really going to be important, to let them play in that kind of a, an atmosphere. So we'll see what happens. A- again, there's so many things that can happen between now and then. But, um, you know, again, there is a human element to it. I mean, I mean if somebody told me, hey, I'm going to take your salary and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to slash it in half. I'm going to really slash it. I'm going to give you 10% of what you're making now. Um, that would stink. And that's all part of the game, and I get it, and it could happen. But I just want to, you know, reiterate that, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of things that go into all of this. Kevin says, it seems like the team's overall effort has been better over the past two games, even if the result on Long Island wasn't quite there. What do you think changed, and is it sustainable? Well, this is a good question, Kevin, and it is a question that I just asked Liam Foody earlier today because I was very interested in his answer to this. And uh, I'll play it for you, and we'll, we'll go from there. But my question to Liam was simply, you've got new guys in the lineup. You've got some younger guys in the lineup. Um, this team, and Liam Foody knows what the identity of this team is supposed to be. Because a couple of years ago when he came up under John Tortorella, he saw it, and he knew what it was, and they were playing it. And he knows that they still want that same kind of identity, whether – it has slipped recently or not. He knows what it needs to be. And I said to him, so you know what the identity is intended to be. When you have these injuries, even though they stink, and you get different guys put into the lineup like this, does it force you perhaps to just simplify the game a little bit? And does it force you back into that identity? Because simple play, hard play, aggressive play, is what the identity for this team is supposed to be, and this was his answer. Uh, yeah, we, we've been talking about how we got to be more connected, and I think we're going to be try to get as close as we can now, even though we're losing a lot of guys. And I think it kind of builds a, builds some character in the w- within the team when you lose a couple of key players like we have, and it brings the other guys together more. And um, I think that brings our game more connected when we can do that, and that builds to our identity of how we can play, and it helps us win games. So it sounds crazy, right? It sounds crazy to say hey, we're going to take a whole bunch of talent out of your lineup. And to some extent, you're going to play better. That doesn't seem to make sense. But it happens. It happens because, look in this case, if you want to look to Patrick Line to make the spectacular play, you're not going to find him. He's out. If you want to look to Zach Wierenski to make some great play, you're not going to find him. He's out. And maybe there aren't guys that are going to make that same spectacular type play. 
However, by simplifying your game, working together as a team, as Liam just talked about, coming together as a group, which you get forced to do when your lineup has suffered as much as this one has, maybe you find that it takes two people to come up with the play that one person might have done previous, but you still get to the end result. You know what I mean? So maybe Patrick Line would have skated the puck all the way up the ice and he would have made some great play to score. Now maybe it is going to take two or three passes and then a finish to get that goal scored. But you simplify. And you're not looking for that quote-unquote hero. You can be the hero. The guy next to you can be the hero. It's just all about looking at yourselves and saying, look, we are what we are. We're a banged-up group. We're missing some of our top guys. So let's just kind of pull back a little bit here, re-examine things, simplify our game, and go. And I think that's what the last couple of games have been about. You look at the Philly game, they build a 3 nothing lead, and then they lose the two defensemen. And now the Philadelphia Flyers are just licking their chops. They just can't wait. They know that if they push, they've got a really good chance of coming back and tying that game. At the very least, they know they've got a great chance of that. They're looking at it. They see it. They're pushing. They're forechecking. They're putting the pressure on. And the Blue Jackets are trying to hold. You know, it's like uh, on a, you're on a ship in a storm. Hold on. Sailboat in the middle of a storm. Holding on to that sail. Hold on. Don't let the sin get away from you, right? That's what that was like, but they did it. They did it under really adverse circumstances. They went in to play the Islanders in the last game under adverse conditions too. A couple of guys in the lineup for the first time. Some guys haven't been in the lineup all year. They just simplified their game. So, Kevin, that's uh, the real answer to the question. Why has it been better? Because they've been forced to just play simple hockey. And that's what we talk about all the time. It's a simple game until you make it complicated. And when does it become complicated? When you try to do too much. When you try to push too much. When you try to score too many goals. When you try to make a, a defensive play that is risky, and if you don't complete it, then your goaltender winds up being hung out to dry. Simplify. Simplify the game, and they're getting better results. They're getting better performances anyway. Um, speaking of goaltenders, Jonas Corposalo has started the last two. I, I think he's been terrific in those games. Actually, last three. Because he started in Finland, and then he came back, and he made a couple of starts this week. I, he's, uh, he's looked really good. He looks like a guy that is healthy for the first time in a long time. You know, he played through injury, and that probably didn't help him at all. But he finally had the surgery, and he's, uh, I think he's back to being himself. His mood is good. Uh, his demeanor is good. His play is good. And this team rallies in front of him. They always have. He's always been a really likable guy. He's, he's been a guy that, uh, that they love having as a teammate and they love playing for. Prior to the start of the season, I was doing a, an event with Gus Nyquist, and um, 
we were just talking about, you know, it's, this was in August. His guys were just starting to come back, but not everybody was here. And we were talking about the addition of Johnny Gaudreau and the excitement. And he brought up Jonas Corposalo. He brought it up without me bringing it up. And he said how excited he was that Jonas was back. And that's how they feel about that guy. And you can see it the way that they play for him. And they play with him on the ice. So that's that's been another that's that's another reason to go back to that previous question about why they look better in the last two games. Yes, they've simplified, but their goaltender has helped to make them look better too. Johnny Drum says, now that Patrick Line is out again, should the Blue Jackets throw caution to the wind and bring up Kirill Marchenko and see what he can do? I understand that he lacks North American experience, but what is to lose? I think at some point we're going to see him coming up here. Uh, he's doing a really good job in the American Hockey League, and I know I just went through this whole thing about you could send guys down, let them play together, maybe be champions, all that stuff. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's a double-edged sword, I guess, in some ways. I don't know. Sorry, I was reading something else. I, I distracted myself there. But anyway, uh, I, I think he'll get an opportunity to get a look at some point because he's uh, he's playing really well down there. And when you're looking for the best player and when you're looking to give somebody a chance, well, those are the kind of guys that you look for. Is it right now? No, it's not right now. And I think that, uh, you know, one of the things is that uh, you're at home all this time. They're going to play six in a row at home, right? So you don't even need to really make a call-up unless you have some kind of an injury situation because uh, Cleveland is close enough where guys can get here in a day if they have to get here in a day. Simple as that. So, uh, But, again, Kirill's going to get his chance at some point. Um, I just don't – I don't think they have to do it uh, immediately. Just don't have to do it right now. Once again, if you're with me on Twitter Spaces today and you would like to get on the show and ask your question, you can do that. Just request to be a speaker, and I will bring you on, and and we can talk. We can talk all that you want to about this team. Flyers are coming back to town tomorrow night. Kind of a weird schedule, right? I mean, you had the Flyers were here last week, and now they're right back here again. They only come in two times all year, and they're back uh, – they're back in just a couple of days, but it's a familiar opponent. It's also a team that, as I said, uh, they're going to feel as though they owe the Blue Jackets from last week. They're going to feel as though they blew it last week, and to an extent, they did. I mean, they turned the puck over a lot. They gift-wrapped it a lot for the Blue Jackets, who took full advantage of their mistakes. So, um, so it'll be interesting to see how that game goes tomorrow night between the Blue Jackets and the Philadelphia Flyers. Let's go to Twitter Spaces and welcome Troy. To today's show, Troy, how are hey, you? How's it going? Good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Okay, so I know this is a little bit of a down the path type thought, but with all these players going on long term injury reserve, I know it doesn't literally remove salary cap; it just allows you to exceed the salary cap and put off a problem until later. So, with that being said, do you think? that the Blue Jackets could potentially give up some draft equity to get someone now so when we have our three or four 
players with expiring contracts at the end of the year that they can imply they either want a hometown discount and their services were great for us and they won't come back? Or do you think we're going to try to stick with this core group and keep our draft equity and not get anyone? I see no reason to make any kind of a move right now. And I, I, I wouldn't give up any draft equity at this point. I mean, where are you going as a team right now? And, and who are you going to get? You know, last week, if you're asking this question, and remember last week we talked about uh, making a trade just for the sake of shaking things up and trying to shock this team back into where it should be, where it needs to be, and all that stuff. But, you know, I I don't know where you're going to find a trade right now. I, I just think that uh, you're going to hold steady. You're going to let these guys get some uh, op- some experience. You're going to give out opportunities. You're going to allow guys to get experience, and you're going to ride with this and and see where it goes. And then, you know, some of those guys, when it comes down to the end of the year, let's be completely honest about it. If you're not a playoff team, Gus Nyquist is probably a guy that is going to have interest from playoff teams, and you have a chance to add to your draft stock. I, I think right now where this team is, I think draft stock is everything at this point. And it is, uh, it, and it's too bad, but you kind of got dealt a bad hand. First, you didn't play well as a group, and now you have all these injuries and you're dealt a bad hand. And, and the season's not over. It's 14 games in. You know, who's to say that this group doesn't overachieve and uh, start to do things that we didn't think that they would do? Because that's what happened last year. Right out of the gate last year, in fact, the first half of the season last year, we were all pleasantly surprised as to how, how well this team was playing uh, so nothing is nothing is out of uh, the realm of possibility, but uh, Troy, I just don't see going out and making a making a move right now. I think it's uh, I just think it's unnecessary, and I don't see them giving up any any uh, draft picks or I mean this is a this is supposed to be a good draft. It's supposed to be a deep draft, and therefore whatever picks that you have, I think the better off that you are. And so I would expect that uh, we're just going to ride this out and, and see how it goes. And again, I, it's not it's not fair to to say it's just going to go badly either, right, Troy? Exactly. I completely agree. And that's the thing: you don't want to be in a position, in theory, down the stretch of the season where you want to be giving up a Gus Nyquist or a Gavrikov. These perceived as underrated, hardworking players that playoff teams want. And yes. It looks like draft equity is everything now, sadly. But you see with these teams in Chicago and all over the league where they kind of count these people out that are on the team and it really lights a fire under them to close the gap because they feel like they're at a skill disadvantage. So you can never count that out as well. They've also been showing a huge tenacity increase in the past couple games as well. Well, and it comes down – thank you, Troy. I appreciate it. Um, it comes down to this, too. It is uh, the lack of expectation. Again, last year's team had zero expectations, and it overachieved. This year, you get Johnny Gaudreau, you come in with a lot of expectations, and now we're all sitting here saying, what happened? It is so much easier to play when you have no expectations. The Chicago Blackhawks, one of the easiest places to play this year. Nobody expects them to do a doggone thing. The Arizona Coyotes, nobody expects them to do anything. They expect them to be dead last. I think the Ottawa Senators are in a uh, position like the Blue Jackets right now 
where they made so many moves over the summer that they had big expectations to start the season. All of a sudden, they go through, what, a seven-game losing streak here. They're all scratching their heads. Were they quite ready? I, I, I think they're a good comparison to the Blue Jackets. I think that they didn't quite have what they they needed. They thought that they had it or they wanted to have it. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's that, maybe that's the better way to describe even what happened here, even with Johnny coming in. You know, we, we wanted to have it. We wanted to think that it was all taken care of. We wanted to think that the, um, the rebuild or the recharging or the, whatever you want to call it, we, we wanted to think that this was just the automatic magic pill that was going to fix it all. But the reality is, it's not. And then when guys are dropping like flies, then that really exposes it. So, um, you know, we, we wanted it to be different. And unfortunately, right now it's not different. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to uh, that we're not going to have great stories, and that could be as a team, that could be as individuals. Heck, there might be a couple of guys within a month and a half from now that we're looking at and saying, um, "Gee whiz, uh, this guy's going to be a part of it." I think this guy's really got a chance to be a part of it down the road. Could be somebody we're not even thinking of right now. Troy just mentioned Vladislav Gavrikov. I mean, this is a guy that's going to be an, a free agent. And are you going to be trading him or are you going to be keeping him? You know, personally, I would never think of getting rid of the guy. I, I think he's he, he's reliable. Uh, he's a great guy in the room. Uh, all the other players like him. He's good in the community. Uh, he checks all the boxes for me. But, you know, what do you have coming and how does he fit into the picture? You know, those are those are different questions. How does he fit in salary-wise? How's he going to fit in lineup-wise and all of that stuff? But, you know, maybe – yeah. And I look, the guy's played one game and he scored a goal. But let's say Marcus Bjork is a big guy, okay? And when I asked Brad Larson the other night about uh, the scouting report on him, and he said there are comparisons to David Savard. Comparisons. Not that he is David Savard, okay? But the comparison is big guy, plays hard, and – you know, he, he can get you the occasional goal, I guess I should say. And then he got one the other night. I don't know if this guy plays for a month or two months. Are we talking about him being a part of the the long-term thing here? I don't know. No idea. If he plays for three weeks, are we talking about when is he going back to Cleveland? I don't know. I have no idea. So there, there are going to be plenty of questions that are going to be answered along the way. Jonathan's question is going to be answered right now because I'm bringing him up live on Twitter Spaces. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Bob. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good, good. Um, I actually, so I've, I've been thinking a lot about this over the last few days with the injuries and everything, and then Patty being out today just kind of sealed the deal in my mind of saying, like, you know, what? first off, the first important, most important thing you touched on earlier was that whatever is best for the young guys has to be what happens. If that's sent down, if that's staying up, whatever. Like, I, I'm not near smart enough to make that call. But that's, in my mind, priority number one, right? So, um, but the other thing I'd like to see with it is I'd also kind of like to see some of those guys that are borderline NHLers getting their shots as well. You know, like the Trey Fix, Wolanskis, the Carson Myers, get those guys rotated up at least somewhat throughout the year to give them their shot to say, hey, can you hold on and grab onto a spot and make things tougher for us up here as well? Uh, what do you think about uh, those guys getting chances and, and opportunities this year? Well, let me start with uh, 
Carson Meyer because he was one of the last cuts out of training camp, and he had a great training camp. I'll be honest with you, Jonathan. I'm surprised that we haven't seen him yet. With uh, Justin Danforth going down with his injury and being out for the rest of the year, I think Carson Meyer was a good comparable to Justin Danforth with the way that he plays the game. And I'm a little bit surprised that we haven't seen him to this point, to be honest with you. I know he's skating on the top line in Cleveland, getting a lot of minutes. And um, I'm sure I'm sure we're going to see everything that you just requested right there as it goes along throughout the year because of several different things. Uh, there's going to be these, these holes in the lineup that you're going to need to have filled. And also, you need to start to evaluate and assess and figure out what the future of certain guys are going to be. Is it going to be uh, part of this team for a while, or have they come to the end of the road? So I think for those two reasons, you're going to see that throughout the course of the year. But the Carson Meyer thing, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised with uh, the camp that he had that we haven't seen him to this point. For sure. Um, and, you know, I, I fully expect, like I said, those guys at certain points to get rotated up, and I don't think that that should be anything. I mean, I don't think Bemstrom or Foodie should get sent down this year just because, again, don't risk waivers no. for this team. Nope. So – um, and then the other thing I want to talk about, kind of the opposite of what the previous question was, is at this point, would you be, you know, starting to shop Nyquist around um, even? I just kind of like letting, I'm sure this probably is out there, but like letting the GMs know that you're kind of open for business for that kind of stuff. And then obviously you'd like to resign Gavrikov, but if he doesn't do that by the deadline, you, you can't let him walk for nothing, same deal. And then also another guy who I think at this point, I personally would be okay with moving if you found a market for him would be Elvis Merzlikin. Um, you know, with Corpy playing that way and Tarasov being kind of the guy of the future anyway, uh, might be a guy that, that somebody would take pay a nice price for based off of how hot he can get, even though his numbers have sucked last year and this year so far. Yeah, well, that's uh, – it's – I'm I'm only I'm not speechless here, but I'm, I'm, I'm just stunned in the fact of uh, that we're having this conversation, right, especially when it comes to him. I – like – a year and a half ago, two years ago, if this was brought up, people would tell you you're crazy. Um, but, and Corpus Allo's only played well for three games, let's be honest, okay? And he only has one-year deal, so what's going on there uh, at the end of it? Tarasov does seem to be the goalie of the future here, but when is the future going to be? I kept on talking about the Cleveland team. I didn't even mention him, and for goodness sakes, he's going to be the most important part of that. But I'll say this, um, with the Nyquist and the Gavrikovs, every general manager knows that those guys at some point, um, they knew going into this year that there's a good chance that Gus Nyquist is going to be available near the end of the year if the Blue Jackets, uh, you know, unless the Blue Jackets are in the playoffs. They know that if they're not in the playoffs, that that's a guy they're going to call about. Um, again, I think it's early, unless you had somebody suffer some kind of a major injury where they were going to lose a forward of uh, similar skill and style that Gus is, I don't think that those – you don't have to make a call to general managers. They already know, and I don't think anybody's going to call you at this point. It'll be later in the season. Gotcha. All yeah, right. Cool. I, I did, yeah, I didn't know how all that works. So yeah, that's that. That's what I think. I just – unless somebody wanted to, you know, make one of those trades to to shake it up and, um, you know, wanted to look in that direction. But I, I, I just think that's going to be a, a later in the year thing. And it's going to be – it's going to be too bad, too, because Gus is – Gus is a good guy, but he's a good playoff guy. And just like we saw a couple of years ago with Savard and Felino, I would be shocked if he is not uh, dealt for a pick, especially 
if the Blue Jackets could somehow drive that into a first-round pick, and who knows? Sure. Absolutely. Right. Thanks, you. Jonathan. Appreciate it. All you have to do to get on the show, if you're with me live on Twitter Spaces, is request to be a speaker, and you can come on. You can ask your question. That's exactly what uh, my good buddy Irwin has done. Irwin, you're, you're officially my good buddy now. You've asked enough good questions in enough weeks that you get that title. Does that mean you're going to buy me lunch? <laughs> no, you have to be a great buddy to get lunch. But you're, you're sitting it good right now, so there's still room for improvement. Hey, come on. Happy meals aren't that expensive. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Inflation, buddy. Inflation. Well, you know, I, I wasn't lost on the fact that you mentioned last week somebody bought you dinner in Finland. So I thought, okay, this isn't a guy who pays for dinner. So, Oh, no, uh, no, no, no. That was, that was, those times are few and far between. Trust me. Um, yeah. But uh, but it was good. I'm not going to lie. It was really good. A handful of things I want to throw at you. You know, back in 2005, they had a marketing slogan all out all the time. The Blue Jackets did. And it became a farcical pun because the whole entire team was constantly hurt. And so, needless to say, they relinquished that slogan for the next season. But what I wanted to really talk about is I think there's been kind of a knee-jerk reaction to the start the team has had. They actually went through a stretch almost identical last year. After they started 12-6, and six, they followed that up by going 3-10-1. and one, and then One of the wins was in overtime, and they got outscored during that stretch, 62-38. to 38. Well, this year they've started 4-9-1. and one. They've been outscored 61-38, to 38, but they have had three regulation wins. But what was rock bottom in both situations, this year it was the back-to-back losses to Boston and Jersey where they got outscored 11 to one last year. They gave up the last seven goals of the game on new year's day to Carolina. And then the following Tuesday at home, the first five against uh, Tampa Bay. So they were out actually gave up 12 unanswered goals over the course of less than an an entire game. And so I, I think sometimes you just go through things like this, but I see them working their way out of it. So I'm, I'm becoming less and less concerned. I think there's too much talent here for this to just turn into a blow-up, disastrous season. So I'm, I'm keeping the faith. What I want to really talk about, though, is I don't know what you said about it on the air Thursday night because I was there in person watching the game, but I thought John Tortorella let us off the hook. Late in the game, we got the fourth line out there. We can't get them off the ice. They're absolutely gassed. We're down to four defensemen. We didn't know at the time one of them was out there on a busted ankle, and we were hanging by a thread, and he called a timeout. And this was after a really bad icing call. And he gave our guys a chance to regroup. And then we had the face-off in the defensive zone, which uh, Gauntz won. And he had an unbelievable weekend. He took 23 of 35 draws, which is fantastic. And Blankenberg came up within the corner, flicked at the length of the ice. It goes in the net. And in five seconds' time, we go from hanging by a thread to having the game won. And I don't know if I'd been John Tortorella that I'd have called that timeout in that situation. Well, I'll tell you what I said on the air, quite frankly. Um, I said that the timeout situation in hockey is so much more unique than any other sport because you only get one, and most times you don't even use it. But when you use it, it is, it's such a weird strategy because it's exactly what you're talking about. I don't think that John Tortorella cut them a break. He didn't take that timeout for any reason except that he had his top players on the ice, and they had been on the ice for a while. And he wanted Kevin Hayes and Travis Konecki and those guys out there. That's the line that he wanted on the ice. They were tired. 
he needed to take that time out so that they could regroup. But to your point, and this is where it's it, it fascinates me in some regards to the way the timeout is used in the NHL, it, because you have to make a decision right there. How badly do I want my guys to get a breather? Because those guys are also going to get a breather. And, you know, Tortorella could have changed his line. As you said, it was an icing. The Blue Jackets cannot change. They're stuck with what they have. The Flyers could have put different bodies out there, but he didn't want the different players out there. He wanted the players on the ice that were already on the ice, and that's why he had to take that time out. So um, I he did not call off the dogs on that. There's no way. That's just – that that's not in his nature. Uh, he took that time out out of necessity to keep his top guys on the ice. Well, I, I agree with what you're saying there. What I'm saying is if I'm John Tortorella, even though I'm – facing that situation with my team, I, I might want to just not call the timeout and just force Columbus to have to defend when they're absolutely gassed. I don't yeah, want to give them. Okay, I get that. I get that. But let's say you know that your guys are gassed too. And now, all of a sudden, let's say you lose a faceoff or, and you make a mistake and all of a sudden the puck's in the back of the net and now your chances are gone. I mean, you, you want to give your guys a chance to be playing at – the top of their game at that point too if your guys are gassed and those are the guys that you definitely want on the ice then you got to call the timeout because you know with fatigue come mistakes and I think that's what you try to guard against as a coach and you're not happy that you're going to give the other team a breather but you're really trying to make sure that your team is is ready to go on that faceoff. right now uh, after last Thursday's game which I'm officially referring to that game as the body bag game they made a couple of moves right after the game, and they they brought up Juracek and they brought up Bayreuther, but then the next morning they switched that and they sent Juracek back down and brought up Bjork. And, and I'm thinking the reason why they did that, Bjork is about six years older than Juracek. He weighs about 25 pounds more, and I figured that they probably thought that they were probably going to need that bigger body out there for the next Philly game, which is tomorrow night. And another thing I'm looking at is We've only got Bean out there, quarterback in both power play units right now. And, and God forbid he would get hurt. But I know that Bjork was quarterback in the power plays down in Cleveland. Do you think we might eventually see Bjork quarterbacking the, the second unit uh, if he stays on the roster for very long? Yeah, yes. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, I think they just did that with Bean the other night because there wasn't a chance really to, to get any work with any of those new guys. So. Uh, they just let Jake run it. You know how they are anyway. They try to keep that first unit out there for the bulk of the power play, and the second unit doesn't even get out for very long. But um, I think that was let's get through this game like this and then uh, address it from there. So, yeah, I think that that's a good point. But, again, the reason – now, I asked Brad Larson about this prior to the game against the Islanders the other day. I said, um, when you called up Juracek a couple of, of uh, weeks ago, you talked about you called the best player. The guy that was playing the best got a chance to come up. This time – uh, you go in a different direction, and how much of that has to do with the fact that you lose several guys and you're trying to match a little bit of skill set? Because let's be honest, um, you're not going to replace Zach Wierenski in everything that he can do, but uh, Jake Christensen is similar in some ways. He's a good puck mover. He's a good skater. He's uh, you know He's got an offensive side to him. So Jake gets the opportunity to come up. And he said, he told me, quite honestly, with David Yurchek, they're looking at the long term right now. You know, the last game he played was in New Jersey there, that, that game where they scored seven, and, and he kind of fought it in that game. 
he wasn't the only one, but he's an 18-year-old kid who they're trying to mold into their top defenseman somewhere down the road here, and they want to put him in a situation where he is going to succeed, and they felt that at this time it was better to go ahead and bring up Marcus Bjork and leave David Juracek in Cleveland, let him run the top power play, let him have success down there and, and not throw him into this at this point in time. So, you know, in, in Bjork, yes, he checks a lot of boxes. He's a big body guy. You're going in to play the Islanders who, you know, they can be physical. You've got the Flyers coming up. But a, a lot of that with uh, Juracek, according to Brad Larson, has to do with they're looking at the long term right now. They're not looking at the – you know, they were looking at the short term there a couple of weeks ago because they felt that they only needed somebody for a couple of games. And he was playing the best in Cleveland, so that's fine. Now you're going to need somebody for weeks and months, and they don't feel he's ready for that yet, and that's probably the right decision. Well, one thing that I'm going to be looking at over the next few weeks is Jake Bean with the added playing time and added responsibility he's getting. I'm hoping to see the Jake Bean emerge that Carolina thought was worth putting a first-round pick in the middle of the first round on. And I know that there's something about our, our upper-level brass there in Columbus. There's something they really like about him, too. He's been steady but not spectacular since he's been with the Blue Jackets. But I'm looking to see that guy emerge, and I think there's a chance that he might. And if he does, that'll be the silver lining of the cloud. I'm glad you bring that up because I was thinking about that during the um, Islander game the other night. And, you know, when he does play both power plays, it, it reminds you that, hey, this guy's been out there a lot. Uh, and I thought he made some good plays in that game. And, and I think there have been times uh, early in the season where he has struggled here. But there might be – he might be the number one guy that has uh, the best chance. What I'm trying to say is he could really up his stock, as you're saying, in this organization. He could really do himself a lot of good if he can handle those minutes and he can play well. You know, there were a couple of plays in the Islanders game where I, I saw him physically – use his body to make plays on the boards. And, again, he added 10 pounds of muscle this offseason because he wanted to be stronger and he wanted to be able to make those kind of plays. And then I think early in the year he got caught in between of, you know, am I a physical defenseman now or am I a puck-moving defenseman or am I an offensive defenseman? I think he was questioning himself a lot and trying to get used to, you know, they asked me to get bigger, they want me to be stronger, they want me to battle more. Um, how do I do all of that? And I hope that what I saw in the Islander game, and as you just said, Erwin, we're going to figure this out over the course of the next couple of weeks. I hope that what I saw was Jake Bean starting to figure that out because I think he is the poster child for opportunity in the situation this team is in right now. If he really wants to um, make himself a guy that uh, they consider extremely valuable here, his time is right now. Uh, I 100% agree. I, I think this is his time. Absolutely. Yep. And I, it, right. hey, it'll be fun to watch and see if he can do it. I, and, and, you know, that's part of this. You want to win games. That, that's what it's all about, winning games. Um, but, you know, you, you want to win games and you're watching the team as a whole, but there's so many little things going on within the whole that are going to decide, not this year specifically, but the next couple of years in, in just what direction this team's going. And I think that's one of them. That's a great observation by you. Yeah. All right. Hey, have those body bags ready tomorrow night because the Flyers are going to need them. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Oh, my goodness. Body bag game. Lost a lot of guys. Lost a lot of guys. That, that was that was one of the costliest wins 
in the history of the franchise, I would say. I think I'm very safe in saying that. That win against the Flyers last week was one of the costliest wins when it came to the guys that were lost due to injury. Oh, my goodness. So we're sitting here talking about, you know, who should be in Cleveland, who should come up from Cleveland, all that stuff. And um, Aaron Portsline of The Athletic has tweeted that Kirill Marchenko did not practice today with the Monsters. But hold on. It's not because he's coming here. He is under the weather. He is sick. It's almost Christmas time, right? So it's, uh, oh, no, I was, I'll dug on it. I, w- I was thinking about something from the Grinch, but it's not uh, from the Grinch. I was thinking of sick, sick, sick. And if you're old enough, that wasn't the Grinch. It was kind of the same voice, but it was the Mr. Yuck. The old Mr. Yuck stickers that you were supposed to put on everything that was poisonous so the kids knew that it was poisonous in the house can make you sick, sick, sick. That's what Kirill Marchenko is apparently today. And that's why he is not practicing for the Cleveland Monsters. I've heard nothing but great things about Kirill, by the way, about how his teammates love him. Uh, I was listening to that Pipeline podcast that Dylan Tyre did with Marcus Bjork the other day when we were in New York, uh, trying to learn a little something about Marcus. And and he was asked about Kirill Marchenko, and he was uh, uh, he couldn't wait to say great things about him. And that's good. I, that's really, really good. I mean, a guy that has played in the KHL, you know, he's waited a long time to come over here to North America. He comes over here, and out of training camp, they send him to the American Hockey League, which had to be disappointing for him. But you know what? He's just he's just there. He's just playing, and he's playing well. And he's been a, a good teammate, according to those comments anyway. He's been a good teammate. So doing everything that you could possibly want him to do. Let's go back live to Twitter Spaces. Kevin, you are next up on this Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30. How are you? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Good, thank you. All right. Uh, you just mentioned Kirill Marchenko. I was kind of wondering, what do you think it takes for him to get up to the main club? Because that was kind of the expectation to start the season, but he's been killing in Cleveland, but he still hasn't gotten the call up. What do you think it takes for that? Well, I just think it's going to take uh, – he's got to continue to do what he's doing, and, and they're going to – I don't know. They got to make a spot for him, or they've got somebody has to to falter here for him to come up. I mean, they want him to be a really good player. I think they're doing the right thing with him, and and again, you can argue should they send Ken Johnson there and and have him do the same thing? Absolutely. Get those guys there. Let them feel good about themselves. Let them play really well, and that's what Kirill is doing right now. So with line A out. It's very easy to say, hey, why don't you bring him up here? But you know what? Bemstrom was a leading scorer in the American Hockey League. He just got called up, and uh, he's been on the second line. They're going to give him a chance to play on the first line. You have Johnson, who didn't play in the last game, who can now jump right in to the lineup. So at this point, there's not a spot there. But there could be a spot very easily with either another injury, God forbid, or uh, ineffectiveness by somebody. So I, I think it's just... For him, he's just got to keep doing what he's doing. And then if the opportunity presents himself, he has to be ready to come up here and, and be noticeable in the NHL. But, Kevin, I don't, I don't think he's he's not done anything wrong. He's, um, you know, it's just kind of a, a numbers game at this point in time. Bemstrom, as I said, leading scorer in the AHL when he left and a guy that has played here for the last couple of years, a guy that uh, this organization has been patiently, in, in fact, sometimes it seems too patiently, been waiting for 
to find his offensive game. They hope that he has. They hope he's going to bring it here. He had a nice goal the other night against the Islanders on a great feed by Gus Nyquist to send him in on a breakaway. So we'll see. For Kirill, just keep doing exactly what uh, Emil was doing when he was there, and uh, you get your opportunity. All right, Kevin? Yeah, it sounds good. Hopefully uh, hopefully we'll be able to see him up this year, or if not, hopefully he develops uh, well at GSI. I, I, I would think, like to see you, – you, you I, mentioned I, Ken Johnson going back to Cleveland. I would love to see – Johnson at center, Marchenko on the wing. That could be a really, uh, really good second line down the line. So, I, th- I think so I too. You know, you go back to uh, Traverse City for the uh, prospect tournament months ago now, and those guys were playing together, and they look good there. And the talent level is way less than it is in the American Hockey League, and certainly far below what it is in the NHL. But I think there's, I think there's some promise there. And again, we'll see what happens. Now with these injuries, it looks like Johnson has a spot in the lineup. So. Uh, that might be delayed, but I think at some point this year, you know, everybody's going to get a look, and uh, and I think that, in my opinion, that would include Kirill Marchenko, especially if he continues to play like he's playing. All righty. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. All you got to do, request to be a speaker, and you can uh, be on this show. You can ask your question. I can answer your question live, 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 live. Hey, tomorrow night, by the way, make sure you don't forget this. Tomorrow night is a 7.30 face-off at Nationwide Arena. 7.30, not 7 o'clock. It's an ESPN Plus game, so it's a 7.30 start. You can still get there early if you want to. You still want to come early and hang out for an extra half hour before the game, you're more than welcome. But, um, you know, if you want to come home from work and have a little bit more time and get a breather before you come, then you can can do that too. 7.30 face-off tomorrow night. Hockey fights cancer night, always a special night at Nationwide Arena and everywhere throughout the uh, National Hockey League. So that is tomorrow. Uh, let me see. Let me see. What I just I was just looking at Twitter here, and this article popped up. Stan Fischler. Uh, here we go. The coach's hot seat sizzles in November. Is Craig Berube of the St. Louis Blues on the top of the list? So Berube now is outpacing Bruce Boudreaux, who looked like uh, the odds-on favorite to be the first guy fired this year, the way Vancouver started. And uh, the number three guy is DJ Smith. I was just talking about the Ottawa Senators a little bit ago. They haven't had the injury problems that the Blue Jackets have. They had those big expectations, maybe too big, maybe too big. Maybe you're not as good as you think you are. But anyway, that's who Stan Fischler has as the uh, top three coaches on the hot seat. And he actually does say here, P.S., Brad Larson in Columbus gets a bye because of an awful load of injuries. But I'm going to tell you something. Brad Larson is doing a fine job with what he has. I know that you... You think that uh, some of you may think that's crazy with the way the team started. But uh, sometimes it's more of a player thing. We went through this last week. Sometimes it's more of a player thing than it is a coach thing, and and this has been a player thing. But now the players are forced to fix it. They're forced to fix it with – they're forced to fix it because uh, they have all these other players coming up and they're simplifying their game. goes back to the beginning of this show. It all goes back. You know what? It's like Seinfeld. I actually, I should just end this right now. 
It's just like Seinfeld because I just took what happened at the beginning and I brought it all the way around full circle and right back at the end. That's the beauty of Seinfeld. The show about nothing. But they always take what happens at the beginning and somehow they tie it together with what happens at the end. And it's still after all these years and after watching so many reruns, it still amazes me how they did it week after week after week after week. Maybe it shouldn't amaze me. I just did it. I just took the beginning, brought it back at the end, and that should do it. In fact, it will do it, as a matter of fact. (laughs) That'll do it for this week's edition of CBJ and 30. Monday Mailbag. I love getting together and talking like this. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's it's a lot more fun when, when you're winning a lot of games. But, hey, right now the Blue Jackets have taken three of the last four available points, and they're going to try to take two more tomorrow night when they take on the Philadelphia Flyers. And that's going to be at 7.30. 7.30 at Nationwide Arena tomorrow night. ESPN Plus game, which means the only local broadcast you'll be able to get is mine. Lucky you. Dylan Tyre will start the pregame coverage at 7 o'clock on the Blue Jackets radio network. I'll take over at 7.30 with the game. Thanks for being a part of the show today. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.